0: easy podcast happy Wednesday everybody it is August 25th here on the believe podcast network and take it easy make sure to follow download and leave those five-star reviews doesn't have to be a nice review just has to be a five-star review we've got a great show planned for you today it is the long-awaited return of our good friend from beer life sports Gambling expert, college sports expert, fantasy football expert, he's got it all. Well, at least he's got like five cool things that he's really good at. He is Razor Rosenthal, and he is back as college football kicks off with really shitty football games this weekend, but some really damn good ones in week one. So we'll get to college football talk in a bit and kind of dabble around, uh, some ACC Big Ten talk, but first, it is Wednesday, and I want to talk some baseball, since we haven't gotten there in a week, and anytime we're going to talk baseball, we got to make sure to hit that music created by one Rob Stone as the San Diego Padres rap anthem all nine innings. that song so much. It's so good, and I love using it every time we want to talk baseball, and I wish that I came bearing better tides as a uh, a San Diego Friar faithful here, because this is just going to be a rant, I assume, it's not going great for the San Diego Padres. I mean, you can talk about losing streaks and injuries and Firing a pitching coach that everyone seems to hate because for 15 years, the Padres had the best pitching coach in Major League Baseball, in Darren Ballsley, and then all of a sudden they get Larry Rothschild in there and everything starts to fall apart with your pitching staff. But take all of that out. The Padres have just been damn unlucky. Just been unlucky. Uh, yesterday, Manny Machado had a home run robbed to kick off Dodgers week, which is a painful memory of... A home run getting robbed last year in the NLDS I can't remember who hit that one it might have been Will Myers but uh, Mookie Betts robbed or Cody Bellinger robbed a home run was it Cody Bellinger or Mookie Betts I think it was uh, Cody Bellinger robbed a home run in the NLDS and then we lost like 11 nothing and then AJ Pollock robbed one yesterday and with two on and one out we just hit into some unlucky ground outs and a fly ball to center field with two runners on it's just unlucky for the Padres and so they find themselves now losing if we go back far enough I want to say Padres have lost nine of twelve they are fading fast from the wild card as the Cincinnati Reds go on a long winning streak and if you want to hear me rant I did a a podcast short segment over on uh The slump buster and it's only been reinforced now because back then we had just given up the wild card lead and now we find ourselves a full game out of the wild card now fortunately the Reds lost yesterday so we're not fading too far into obscurity but it is Dodgers week and Dodgers week and Giants weeks are going to be how the Padres turn this whole ship around and with a lot of Pierce Johnson starting and Craig Stammons it's making me feel a little sad. Even though we have the MVP of the league. I forgot what the old quote is now, but basically it's the idea that pressure is the opportunity that you might fail, basically. It's not exactly that, but pressure is the right to know that you might fail. And that seems to be where the Padres and the... Boston Red Sox and the New York Mets who have one of the worst hitting teams in baseball over the past four months or four weeks as Steve Cohen is tweeting all over the place but uh, as I have a laughably all-time bad take about the Yankees not having a chance to make the playoffs as well they've run off 11 straight and they're just deadlocked in the wild card now at this point which is funny because I didn't think they'd be able to recover and so for the Padres and for the Red Sox and for the Mets, who are still just fading dramatically out of the picture, the Mets the Mets and the Red Sox at least have had opportunities to feel pressure. The Padres, this doesn't happen very often. And the thing I'd been saying all throughout the trade deadline and leading into August was losing out on Max Scherzer and Trey Turner is not the needle-swinging move that we expected it to be. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, we're not we're not good enough just because Max Scherzer and Trey Turner are now on the Dodgers. Well, it's not exactly right because I don't think there's a single player in Major League Baseball who can swing a pendulum from a team is going to get killed to a team is going to be better than another. I don't think there's a single player that swings the needle that far in either direction. And so I was, I was proceeding with caution after the Padres lost out at the trade deadline and Unfortunately, their starting pitching staff has crumbled in the aftermath, and Fernando Tatis missed a little bit of time, and the bats have been a little bit disappointing. Like Adam Frazier, obviously a disappointing trade for the Padres. Now, they do have him for two years, but he's been disappointing because he's regressed from his all-star starting form over the last few months. And Jake Marisnik seems to be a bit of a mistake acquisition for the Padres, and not addressing starting pitching and then signing Jake Arrieta only for him to immediately get hurt in his first start with the Padres. It's just all been a downhill ride for the Padres. And and now it looks like they've got a 50-50 shot to make it to the playoffs. And the way they're going to do that is by winning some games against those top teams in the division, being the San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers, which shout out to the Dodgers for climbing back against San Francisco and giving me just some kind of opportunity, some shrivel of hope that the Padres might get to be the five seed in the wild card and get to go to San Francisco and that I might be able to go attend a wild card playoff game for my San Diego Padres. Just give me a sliver of hope. And so in the midst of Dodgers week and losing 5-2 to two yesterday, it just reinforces the fact that I don't want to panic. I just feel the disappointment mounting because slowly but steadily we are running out of games here and the Reds sweeping the Marlins over the weekend is not a good sign when you're dropping two out of three to the Phillies, but probably should have been swept by the Phillies. And the fact that it seems pretty clear from this extended run that your team's just not the same as it was when people were calling the Padres the most fun team in America and, uh, Well, they didn't go far enough to say America's team, but they just were the sweetheart darlings of America, and it looked like Petco Park was the coolest place to be, and now it's still packed, but now it's just people that are a little more sad and a little more bitter and Padres players that are pressing and all that stuff, so holding out hope still, ever so slightly, that good things will come for my San Diego Padres, as Good things continue for the Yankees and the Astros because, of course, they do every year. I just I've been making this joke for like five years now. Every year, I look at the preview in the American League, and every year it keeps coming up Yankees and Astros. And for the most part, I'm right, it ends up being Yankees and Astros. Now, the Red Sox sorry, the Red Sox got a nice little year in there in 2018, but it was pretty much Yankees Astros all the way through. And then last year, Tampa Bay. Was the number one seed, no question, but they pulled an upset and a winner go home against the Yankees, pulled an upset and a winner go home against the Astros, and they got to be the ones in the World Series. And now Tampa has the best record in the American League. Of course they do. They're Tampa. Nothing about them makes sense. Wander Franco was looking like a total disappointment to start off. He was hitting like league average 750 OPS. And now he's got like an 11 game on base streak or a 15 game on base streak, which is the most for any player under the age of 21. So we can uh, stop the talks about them as a disappointment. They have the best run differential in well, second best behind the Houston Astros, but they've got the second best run differential in all of baseball right now. It has been a massive, massive success for the uh, Tampa Bay Rays and, Maybe, just maybe, we're still headed towards that Astros and Dodgers rematch in the World Series, but baseball's really random. Maybe the White Sox will just tell everyone to piss off in the AL equivalent of the Padres, but playing in a division where all the teams are crap, instead of the Padres playing a division with three of the best teams in Major League Baseball. But also the Padres pitching staff doesn't have Lucas Giolito or Dallas Keuchel or Lance Lynn or Carlos Rodon. They have Pierce Johnson. All right, let's kick off this college football season with our friend Razor Rosenthal over at Beer Life Sports, which you can follow with the link in the description to today's episode.
1: It has been a while. I think
0: it's been uh, five months, March Madness. That would be about right, I think. I don't know what else there would be going on after that. So uh, it's good to, good to hear you again.
1: Likewise, buddy.
0: And so how are you feeling about the uh, beginning of college football season? First and foremost from your uh, NC State Wolfpack. I have no idea whether they're good or not, but generally they're kind of in the 500 range. So
1: I would not I expect know. a whole lot there. Uh, I, th- I think this is a team that is going to beat up on bad teams and a team that is going to be beat up by good teams. And that is what you get typically every year with coach Dorn and NC state. I think there's going to be some consistencies, hopefully an incredible victory that we didn't expect, but you know, we have the Mississippi state game, which I think is the marquee game on our schedule outside of, you know, Clemson, which, you know, probably is going to be a massacre, but we do have a ACC sec showdown with the two agricultural schools. And ironically, the two teams that probably could have played for the College World Series. And, of course, NC State eliminated and you know, stripped away from that opportunity because of COVID-19 in the Final Four against Vanderbilt out, of, out in Omaha back in, in early, late June. So that was really disappointing and disturbing. But, yeah, I, I, think, I think that NC State is a team that you, you'll be reluctant to bet on their team total over and feel very confident. But you also shouldn't be too confident in the under. Uh, which is likely seven and a half. Just a team that we expect here in Raleigh, North Carolina, to perform and and find a way to get to a bowl. So that th- those are my expectations as they are nearly
0: a reader, Kyle. So the Belk Bowl is what you're shooting for at this point. Well, can we la- get to the Belk Bowl?
1: Well, last year we did play in the Gator Bowl. You know, we did struggle. We did lose to Kentucky. And uh, I, I think the Belk Bowl is viable. It's You know, who knows if it's actually still called, called the Belk Bowl. But, uh, again, you know, listen, it's NC State, and unfortunately we're just not there quite yet.
0: See, you guys need to be in that terrible coastal division. Like, you guys get – unfortunately, you have to play Clemson every year. You have to play Louisville, which Louisville's not that great right now, but they had Lamar Jackson for a while. You guys have to play Florida State. Like, you guys just picked the wrong division to be in. You just need to go to the coastal with all those terrible teams that beat each other up all the time.
1: Well, you know, it's funny you mention that. You know, I I think the tide has turned a little bit with the depth in the coastal, which possibly could be better than the Atlantic right now. I mean, the Atlantic's pretty bad. I mean, Florida State's bad. Uh, Louisville is not good, you know. And I I think last year, you know, it was Clemson and then really nobody else that really was a big threat. The coastal division gave us a lot of problems, you know, playing teams – like UNC Chapel Hill beat us down pretty good. Miami, who at times can show a spark of life with their athleticism. Uh, the Coastal also has, you know, Pittsburgh is always a team that gives us problems. You know, so I think, I think at this point, the depth of the Atlantic and Coastal is almost even. I, I really believe that. I, I think that, that Florida State has really crushed the Atlantic by being so weak over the last four years.
0: And the the I've been making ACC coastal jokes forever, and this is really this is true this year. Is that because UNC has built this great program within like three years of Mac Brown getting there, which is honestly it's amazing how good they've been over the last two years, and then having what's probably the top quarterback prospect. It's either Sam Howell or Spencer Rattler right now, and. Miami being at least respectable, respectable in the way Michigan is, where they put too high of expectations on themselves, but they're a very respectable team right now. So those two teams kind of even things out a bit. And then you've got your Virginia Techs kind of sneaking up there. Maybe this is a turnaround year for them. They've been down for a little bit, but maybe they get back up to the top or maybe Georgia Tech turns it around or I don't know, maybe... Who else is there? Duke, nah, Duke's Virginia not and Virginia. I mean, you you've mentioned
1: you mentioned the two technical schools there, Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech. That again, I still feel like have more credibility right now than the bottom of the Atlantic, which are Boston College typically right now. Um, who else is Wake out Forest. there? Wake Forest. I mean, so I think the coastal. I don't want to harp on this, but the coastal division is probably a little bit stronger. So I think you got to tone down the coastal jokes, Kyle, maybe tilt it towards the Atlantic. It's getting, telling you, it's a little tougher over on the coastal side here in this conference.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I can always bring up the stat though that the uh, the last time the Coastal won the ACC championship was when Tyrod Taylor was quarterbacking Virginia Tech. Wow. So I can always laugh at that that it's been like 11 years since the Coastal won the ACC championship game.
1: That's unbelievable. And Tyrod Taylor got us to the playoffs as a Buffalo Bills fan. So we uh, we <laughs> we thank we thank Tyrod for that about 4 years ago.
0: Yes, Tyrod Taylor broke the curse and then he's been he's been replaced now this actually went viral on our instagram a couple days ago like he was the uh tyrod taylor has now been replaced by three of the top 15 quarterbacks in the nfl between josh allen justin herbert and baker mayfield is that all of a sudden that's uh tyrod taylor's legacy and he might get replaced by spencer rattler next
1: how about that yeah and those are also three really good fantasy quarterbacks especially Justin Herbert and Josh Allen who are you know two of the top five or six uh, fantasy quarterbacks in most people's season-long drafts these few weeks so fascinating how that works out
0: I'm scared to do Josh Allen because last year I picked Lamar Jackson as the number two quarterback available and he kind of let me down so I'm nervous about whether Josh Allen has too high of value right now and I'm Every year, I keep saying this is the year I'm going to pick Mahomes, and I never actually pick Mahomes because I, I don't have the cojones to pick quarterbacks early in the draft.
1: I agree with you. I, I think I think Patty Mahomes has always slipped by me as well because I just will not do it. I will draft QBs. I know we're not we're supposed to talk college football here, but let's talk NFL draft. Uh, you know, I I, I I tell you what, I have I can't recall the last time I've taken a quarterback before round seven. I'm not a believer in it, and and I think that strategy should work most of the time i'm always competing for a fantasy championship because i do believe the qb is strong enough to be picked in the seventh or eighth round or even further down and pat mahomes is just never never a guy i'm able to grab and you know what if if you're playing seasonal uh fantasy football and you just really love that stud quarterback take a back seat play dfs play daily fantasy and load up on your on your stud quarterbacks there if you had to so you can get that that option in both seasonal where you have your average quarterback and then daily you can say okay i want pat mahomes i want to build my team on josh allen that's my strategy a lot of the time so throwing that out there as well kyle
0: good to good to know for strategy going in because i've been I've been burned before by the top quarterback. I think I picked Cam Newton the year after he won uh, MVP in like the third round. I think I also took DeMarco Murray on the Eagles that year. It was not a great year for fantasy football, but uh, I've, I've had some good ones in the past. Like my favorite story all time to tell is getting Matt Ryan in the very last round of the draft, the year that he won MVP of the league and getting Alex Smith the year the Chiefs started 8-0, and he was the number one fantasy quarterback. So little stories like that are the reason you can hit it big with quarterbacks until last year when I took Dak Prescott, and he broke his leg in week five, and I had to start uh, a rotating door of uh, Kirk Cousins and uh, Sam Darnold for most of the season. But I agree with you. Take the quarterback later on, and... Hope that you get one of those top five running backs this year because that's going to be a big difference is can you get one of those superstar running backs because after that, there's a bit of a drop-off.
1: There is a drop-off, and I haven't drafted yet. I'm in five big-money leagues. They all start next week. I'm really targeting Stafford in most of my leagues. I think he will perform in a much better offensive system out west. I want Stafford on at least three out of my five teams, and I hopefully will get that. In the round seven, eight, or nine—that's kind of you. you Got to read the room and see where mm-hmm. the quarterbacks are flowing. And I, I hope that Stafford drops down round seven or below.
0: That's my guy too, because he's a uh, quarterback ten in our league right now. And I see that, and I feel good about it. Also, for people who are doing like you know sixteen, seventeen round drafts, maybe take a flyer on one of the rookies, maybe a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields. You could maybe Trevor Lawrence even take a flyer on one of the rookie quarterbacks and see if it works out.
1: I think they're important to stash. I think that Lanson fields are very, if you are fortunate to get them super late and they're available, stash them because those, those quarterbacks are not going to play in September. In my opinion, I just don't see it happening. I see them for sure getting on the field and what they have to offer is mobility. They are going to run a lot, and they are going to get you yards. They are going to get you Lamar Jackson type running yards, I think, and that is so crucial in most leagues. Huge, huge to have. So, um, I'm looking to stash Lance late in
0: all of my drafts. Ooh, okay. So he he's a big believer in Trey Lance out here. I, I like it. I. I think he should be starting Week One, but fantasy football wise, it's not the worst thing in the world if he gets to sit until after the Packers game. Like he, he could still blow up later on in the season. But I, I did not realize you were big into Trey Lance.
1: I am. I'm. I'm ready to stash Lance. I'm ready to put him in my lineup. Come around, maybe, maybe Halloweenish. You know, let's get him in late October. Let's see what the Niners can do. Problem is, you know, you know, Garoppolo capable, so we don't we don't know what to expect there. But yeah, strategy for me, Stafford, middle, you know, middle round seven
0: eight, Trey Lance late if he's there. Yeah, there you go. There's your figuring out quarterbacks on your fantasy football advice. Um, what about Najee Harris? Because I've seen conflicting feelings about him, and he's like a second round ish pick right now. So. Do you, would you want him as an RB one potentially? Could he be a top end running back this year for someone who doesn't get, you know, McCaffrey or Saquon or one of those top RBs?
1: Yeah, he has a lot of uh, miles on his body. Right, he's a rookie. He's uh, he fits that Pittsburgh, you know, system. It looks like to perfection. I do like him, and I would take him in the second round. And I hope to get him in the second round. Uh, you know, I, I will be looking at. Uh, A wide receiver one, if I'm picking late, just to let you know, I I am on the Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams train. I I value those guys, if you're late in the first round, more so over a Barkley, just because of, we all know, we should be afraid of Saquon Barkley. But yes, I think Harris is going to be great, and I love that he has mileage. Mileage as a running back is crucial And I think that Harris will fit the system, and I think they are going to run the ball. They made that mistake last year. We talked about that on your podcast. As Pittsburgh found themselves in the playoffs, they didn't run the ball, and they suffered at a horrible end of the year, and then they lose first round to Cleveland. So, yes, Harris is on my radar. I very much hope to get him in round two, but round one, that's a stretch. There will be better players than him.
0: Well, so you mentioned Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams. Do you say Kelsey in that group as yes, well as like a wide receiver one, but actually a tight end?
1: Yes, I do. I, I, I think if you are pick eight through 12 in a standard, whether it's standard half PPR or PPR, but there's 12 team league, which is the common thread for most fantasy leagues. I, I think Kelsey sits there at eight or nine or eight, eight to 12. I think that you have to take him, in my opinion, even over Hill. Or, Adam, this tough, you know, Kelsey brings something so special at that position, more special than anyone else. If you don't get Kelsey, I think you wait. And I think you wait for a guy like Hawkerson. right? Hawkerson is the only guy that I think golf will be able to throw to on that football team in Detroit. I I, I think it's it's Kelsey or you wait and you wait for. Gosh, round six, whoever, you know, whenever, whenever that.
0: Yeah. After you've got three running backs, wait until you have three running backs on your team.
1: I'm okay with Kelsey Harris though, Kyle, to start your draft. I mean, I I think you're going to be fine.
0: And it's a good way to compromise if you don't get Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry or one of those guys on your team. Now, One of my leagues, I have the number one pick. So help me out. Who am I taking at number one? Because everyone keeps saying McCaffrey, but I'm leaning towards Alvin Kamara.
1: Well, give me the scoring and give me the format of your league. Uh,
0: it's half PPR, twelve team. Uh, what else you, What else would be? Touch hot, What?
1: What? What are the points for a oh, touchdown?
0: Touchdown six yards are ten yards per one point. Uh, uh, I. What else is there? Uh, well, that's good
1: enough for me. That's good enough for me. Um, so Kamara being one point one is a little contrarian in this situation, which nothing wrong with that. I personally will go with McCaffrey there. I, I, I don't, I don't think there's any reason to say that somebody's wrong by going Dow cook, McCaffrey, Kamara, and, you, and there's no way I could say you're making the right or wrong decision. These are guys that are going to get the rock inside the five yard line, which is crucial. I think Dow cook is almost, I could be wrong. Dow cook or McCaffrey. I have more confidence with, Inside the five, I really do, because what we look at in New Orleans is, and Kamara had an amazing year last year, he also had a different quarterback under center. So, you know, Lat murray scares me a little bit, taking away those touchdowns, where I just don't see anybody taking away the touchdowns from McCaffrey or Cook in those situations. Bust loose touchdowns, who's going to just bust loose for 60, 70 yards? That's a toss-up. I think all three of those guys are capable. Derrick Henry is
0: the answer to that. Derrick Henry, Henry is the answer
1: to that. Yes, you're absolutely right. Between those three, it's a tough toss-up, but you throw Henry in the mix, it's Henry. If it's a standard league, I think you got to consider Henry. No PPR, but you do get half point. So if it's me, I go McCaffrey here. I, I feel good about it, and I also feel good about your Kamara decision as well. I'm a little, little scared of quarterback, but you should be scared about the quarterback in Charlotte as well. I mean, Sam Darnold has struggled in his NFL career. So there shouldn't be a ton of confidence in Sam Darnold. Uh, what you get out of Dal Cook though is stability. I know that Kirk Cousins hasn't been a superstar, but he's he knows the system. Jefferson, Thielen, Minnesota's capable. You know, Irv Smith can play at tight end. Dal Cook to me is right up there. So I have Kamara probably three in this situation, Kyle. I hate to just let you down there. I, I, I think Dal Cook is, is ahead, and I think McCaffrey could be ahead as well, but you go with your gut. Go with your gut. <laughs> We talked a lot of fantasy football, but I believe is this your show? We're we, are we doing a fantasy show today or are we doing college football? What are we doing today? You college?
0: know what? We're we're kind of just going all over the place. All aren't over the we place. were just we're we're one second we're into ACC talk and next I got fantasy football questions cuz I got 3 drafts this week and everyone's doing their fantasy football stuff, but I do have I did bring the the college football questions into the mix here because um, I wanted to ask about the Big Ten because I'm very confused about what's happening in the Big Ten this year. Obviously, Ohio State's at the top, and after that, I can't tell if Michigan is going to be good or Michigan State might be good, which is traditionally what I'd think, but then Indiana looks like they're going to be pretty good, and Penn State, nobody knows what's going on there, and James Franklin might be falling out of love with the school, and so maybe there's pressure to perform well. I Help me understand the Big Ten East a little bit, because I can't figure it out post-Ohio State.
1: Well, I think you and everybody else. Here's one thing that, that I will recommend with the Big Ten, and I think a lot of the times here with all these schools uh, starting off, uh, proceed with caution when it comes to gambling. You know, I think we take a look at the first big game of the year is a Big Ten game, right? We're going to see Nebraska traveling to Champaign and, and playing Illinois. And, I mean, Nebraska is a bad football team. They are laying minus seven on the road. They are probably minus two eighty to three hundred on the money line. And you know as as a gambler, we all know my strategy for those who have listened to your podcast and listened to me back in the winter with you on your show is that I, I do money line parlays, and they're they're quite successful. You got to play with balance. You can't play a ton of them because you'll lose over time if you bet a ton of quantity and not quality. And this Nebraska Illinois game is quantity. It's not a quality bet. You know, I, I think the Big Ten is Ohio State and then just a, a makeup and you know mix up of a, a a variety of teams. Is Northwestern legit again? Probably not. Is Indiana gonna be legit again? Probably not. But you, you really you really have to proceed with caution in the beginning of college football, more so than the NFL. I think the NFL is a little more clear-cut of what to expect out of good teams and bad teams. Jacksonville, the Jets, these are bad football teams. And we thought that the Indiana Hoosiers were probably going to be a bad football team last year. And they probably were a team that I would rank them number two overall in the Big Ten. They just happen to be in the same division as Ohio State, if I have that right. You know, So it's really hard to handicap in the beginning. So just you know, focusing on this Illinois-Nebraska game, if you really want to take Nebraska on the money line, And some people will, and they have confidence that Illinois is that bad. I would play it small, but I'd also would play Illinois against the spread. You know, play two of these bets. You know, you're going to go one and one. You can't lose them both if you're taking Nebraska on the money line, Illinois plus seven. But you got to cover yourself here. Maybe you can go two and zero. Maybe uh, Nebraska wins by four points. But you got to proceed with caution. Week one, you can't rush to the finish line. College football, the first two, three weeks, Kyle, in in my opinion, because we didn't talk back in September last year, you and I kind of connected towards the end of college football. It's it's, it's really difficult. It's a very, very difficult game to handicap, in my opinion. As you learn about these teams come early, mid-October, then the money lines will unfold. Then the parlays will be there, for my opinion, for the public better. But right now, you're asking a lot of Nebraska to go on the road A terrible team with turmoil, by the way, on the offseason, as we know what happened with Coach Frost. Stay away big. If you want to bet this game, bet Nebraska money line small, then hedge your bet with the Illini plus seven. That's my advice there.
0: I mean, this is the thing that I was thinking about, because week zero does start next week, but... The whole way through, I was watching it, and I'm saying we can't. We can't actually like entertain Nebraska and Illinois as serious college football because they're both just so bad. <laughs> both of those teams are – I mean, the the Big Ten West is probably diet ACC Coastal where just everyone beats each other up. The conference champion usually only has eight or nine wins, except for the occasional Wisconsin – Wisconsin being in the hunt in the college football playoff, they really are never great. And these are the two worst teams in that division. I feel pretty confident in saying Nebraska and Illinois are going to be the two worst teams out of that division. And it's the only major college football game coming up in week zero. So, you know, everyone is going to be excited to gamble on it.
1: Kyle, this game on Saturday, I believe it's August 28th will be bet tenfold versus any mlb any tennis bet anything that's taking place it will have massive amount of money on it just because you are giving us big 10 nc2a division one football and and i think i think it's understandable why the the gambler out there is hungry for this game so we we joke about how bad these teams are but it's a big deal it's a big deal to see nebraska illinois out there but I just urge gamblers to be smart and j- crawl before you walk in the gambling season. You're out of your mind if you're going to lay a1,000 dollars on the Nebraska corn huskers <laughs> you know, uh, t- 10, 11 days from now, because there is no way that anybody could foresee them beating up Illinois at this point. They can, but I just can't put, I just can't put my hard-earned money on 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 nebraska minus 320 and, and lay that kind of bet i mean to to win 300 dollars on that kind of bet you got to lay a thousand and that's just just stupid you know we don't we don't know what to expect out of the Cornhuskers, huskers coming off a really disappointing season
0: it's been a really disappointing three years for them but i i didn't think we'd get so deep into nebraska football at this point and Illinois Illinois just hired a new coach, right?
1: They did. They they did. And I don't know who it is, (laughs) you know, but the point of this Illinois Nebraska talk is that it is the marquee game of week zero. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know, is there a bigger game when it comes to brand name football than Illinois Nebraska week zero?
0: Okay. Brand name football is absolutely correct because I was going to throw out the uh, Hawaii versus UCLA game. That is also on that Saturday, but uh, that's more for my personal sake because I'm invested in Mountain West football as someone who grew up near San Diego State. So I know Hawaii is actually good. And UCLA is – yeah, they're UCLA. They're just yeah. – there. They're named. Yeah,
1: that game is played, I assume, at the Rose Bowl. That is – you know, that's a – I mean, I'm going to guess the spread because I have no idea what to expect out of that game. But if the game is at the Rose Bowl – well, you could tell me. Is the game at the Rose Bowl? Is this being played uh, in Los Angeles?
0: It looks like it, unless it's a neutral site. I believe it's at, uh, yes, I believe it's at the Rose Bowl.
1: All right. So, I, I, you know, this is a game where the point spread will not be as close as the game we just mentioned between Nebraska and Illinois. So I'm going to go ahead and say the Bruins are probably a 17 to 19-point favorite, 17 and a half. So to me, that game doesn't have the appeal where a Nebraska-Illinois game, which I did look at the spread, that is a touchdown and under spread, which gives the gamblers a little bit more uh, nervousness on either side to watch. So UCLA is likely going to win. You're not going to bet a money line. You're not going to lay minus $2,900 on the Bruins. That's just foolish. So that's a, that's a toss-up kind of game. I, I, again, I can't stress this enough in college football. Proceed with caution. Week one NFL, if you have the bankroll, I'm hitting the gas. <laughs> if you see something you like, if you see a team that's uh, minus eight and you know they're minus 390 on the money line, and you know they're going to win, like the Texans are playing a good football team, I'm going to take the good team. I don't care. I'm not even worried about it. But in college, forget it, Kyle. Proceed with caution.
0: Well, last year was just a rough year for NFL week one because you had like Dwayne Haskins beating the Eagles and everyone yes. took – philadelphia and you had the jaguars beating the colts and it was just a rough year to start deandre swift dropped i had the lions week one and deandre swift dropped that pass in the end zone against the bears like it was just a rough week one last year but uh i the man knows what he's talking about because according to bet mgm ucla is a 17 point favorite against the hawaii rainbow warriors
1: there you go. That's a, that's a game where you typically get the two touchdowns and a field goal or two touchdowns and a and a, half a, and a half a touchdown kind of spread against a Pac-12 team versus a very average Mountain West team, despite Hawaii killing me when I bet BYU big. That was an unbelievable game played on the islands, if you remember that game. Uh, I do remember from, that. Uh, that. was a, I don't know if that was a couple years ago, two years ago maybe. Maybe not last year. It was an unbelievable football game. But Hawaii, you know, on the road – just not the same and that's for a lot of teams but boy what a difference to play in Honolulu versus them traveling to the you know continental united states it's a big difference
0: yeah of course and i i believe that year that the BYU game happened hawaii won the west division of the mountain west for the first time since like 2000 or since they did divisions in the conference but yeah It was a good year. By the way, Brett Bielema is apparently the coach at Illinois now. I was very surprised to see that. I didn't think he'd be getting another job anywhere. But Brett Bielema, head coach at the University of Illinois now.
1: I'm a Bielema fan, not not a fan of what he did in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Obviously, they were terrible. But, you know, I think Bielema is just a really fun guy to listen to. I used to listen to him a lot on podcasts. Uh, Obviously, did a tremendous job in Madison. And maybe the Big Ten is where he needs to be for recruiting. You know, I think when you go down to the SEC, you better have some serious pipelines of recruiting to, to compete with the obvious teams that are right down there, right, you know, bordering you in Alabama and Auburn and LSU. I mean, it's just a nightmare probably for Arkansas and Mississippi State. And, and Bielema may just be a better fit at Illinois. Are we going to see a good team there this year? I Who knows? I doubt it, but I, I kind of like the hire there.
0: All right. Can we run through some of these week one games real quick? Because there's some good ones. Not this week, the week after. So uh, just real quick, some of the best games coming up, not this weekend, but the week after people. So uh, first up on the morning block, we have Penn State versus Wisconsin. Wow,
1: that is that is unbelievable. That game is
0: played where Uh, in it's either in Wisconsin or neutral site. Uh, I believe Wisconsin, considering it's a nine o'clock game. But let's see. Let's operate under the assumption it's at Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, so I'll go ahead and say, and again, I don't know these lines. Uh, hopefully I get this close to being right. Penn State is going to you know, come back with probably a lot of players, I would imagine. They didn't lose too much. Wisconsin coming off a really disappointing season last year. Quarterback play was terrible. They just could not matriculate the ball down the field. If they're home, I'm going mean, to they say they're a six-point favorite uh, against Penn State. I mean, they really shouldn't be that much – more heavily favored than that. But you you may be able to tell me as you look at your computer.
0: Uh, Wisconsin is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite and minus 155 on the money line.
1: So what we're seeing there is that Vegas thinks these teams are equal because you're getting three points at home. And Vegas – I figure Wisconsin is three points better than Penn State and they would give him another three for being home. So that's where I got my six line. So three and a half. That means these are two equal teams. It's a stay away game for me. Again, week one, who the heck knows what to expect. Are the fans going to make an impact in Madison? Are they even allowed in You know, full capacity in the stadium? Man, enjoy that game, people. That's just an early Big Ten game you usually get when it's freezing in November. Enjoy it Labor Day weekend, and my advice is don't bet it.
0: You don't want to. You want to stay away from that game. All I'm staying away. I'm staying away. I mean, you you have made it perfectly clear to proceed with caution as the season gets underway here. Um, next game I have here is West Virginia and Maryland. Uh, let me get the betting line real quick. Uh, it is West Virginia. Let's see. West Virginia three point favorites at Maryland.
1: Yeah, that's fair. West Virginia is the better team you know when we look at last year's stats i mean again they're in college park so you 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 get 3 points there for maryland that means that vegas thinks they're a 6 point better team Kyle i stay away from this game this is so ugly this is uh this is terrible this is like dating your sister you just can't do it and people do date their sisters in west virginia so no offense to our west virginia <laughs> audience but i'm i'm staying away i don't like this game this is too hard to handicap you could see Maryland just getting completely blown out or vice versa. Maryland winning by a touchdown late. I you guys, it, it's one of those things where if you have to bet it, bet small, bet just bet it for fun. That that's just this game is impossible to handicap week one.
0: And right, next up on here we get into some of the bigger names. We have Alabama versus the University of Miami. So Alabama is a 17 and a half point favorite. It is neutral site in Dallas, Texas.
1: Okay, so this game is in Jerry's
0: world. And,
1: you know, Miami has the best quarterback, in my opinion, talent-wise, in the Atlantic Coast Conference. And you can almost say they have one of the top three quarterbacks in the country. But is that enough? Is that enough? Because Manny Diaz, who I, I like the guy, I actually know the guy somewhat well. Um, I, I, I just... The, the, the plays that are being called on defense have been so disappointing. Miami has been shredded against good teams over the last four years under his tutelage as a defensive coordinator now head coach. I just don't see this being competitive unless Alabama is just completely shell-shocked by losing very key players. It's a lot of points, Kyle, so let's bet this one. Let's say Miami covers this number, and I have a little bit of confidence in that. I'm going to go with Miami to cover this number. That's a lot of points. Alabama will be fine. They will reload as they do every single year. I think this is just too much coaching, but almost a little bit too much talent and speed for Miami to get completely blown out week one. Alabama is going to struggle at times week one. They're going to make mistakes. These are young kids still. You know, I, I I just think that's a lot of points. Very disrespectful to the Miami Hurricanes. I'm sure they're going to use that as motivation. Alabama by 13.
0: Is this the best Miami team since that year that they almost made the playoff and then I think played in the Orange Bowl? I think it was 2017. What was
1: that? Yeah, Miami had a chance. They were, they were cruising that season, and I do think this quarterback play is the best. I mean, this could be the best since Ken Dorsey. So I, I think that Miami's in good shape to win the Coastal or finish second, the Alabama game is just, just brutal to have week one, but it's a good test for the Hurricanes. I, I think they're going to be okay in this game. I think they're going to figure out a way to stay under two touchdowns at times. Well, here's what you got to fear. As in Miami better, they're down 14 the whole game Then that turnover with three minutes to go inside their 20. You've seen it so many times. Alabama creates a big turnover, changes everything. Touchdown, Alabama. The Canes lose by 21, the heartbreaker. But I, I like these underdogs in these, in these spots. I really do.
0: All right, two more games to go here. So we've got nine-and-a-half-point favorites, Notre Dame traveling to Florida State.
1: Listen, Notre Dame is a team that wins. And they don't look great in these playoff games, but they beat up on bad football teams. Florida State's a brand name. They're a bad team, Kyle. Notre Dame will be part of a Moneyline Parlay week one. I like them to win this game outright. I would say don't be scared to lay the nine and a half. Florida State is not your father's Florida State team. Notre Dame beats up on bad teams. They will be part of my Moneyline Parlay for sure.
0: By the way, for those listening at home, they are minus four hundred in said game to whoop up on the terrible Florida State Seminoles. Uh, and finally, we have the game of the week: Georgia travels to Clemson, played in North Carolina. It's played at the Charlotte Pan- or the uh, Carolina Panthers Stadium in Charlotte.
1: Can I but guess this line, Carl?
0: I would love for you to guess this line.
1: This is a neutral game, obviously vastly closer. To the Clemson campus that is about an hour and 15 minute drive so Clemson is gonna get some points for being a neutral home team Georgia's really good this year they could be as good as Clemson based on who the personnel is coming back all right Kyle this is a tough one I gotta say Clemson seven and a half
0: Clemson is presently according to bet MGM a four-point favorite
1: oh wow okay all right so Georgia getting a lot of respect there No play, enjoy the game. That's my advice there. Love Notre Dame on the money line with another team. We want to pair up two teams like Notre Dame and somebody else that present that minus 400 value. That will get you even money. Two teams minus three to 400. You bet 100, you probably get back $95 in return, but they both got to win.
0: Okay, so you're basically saying take Oregon State over or take Ohio State over Oregon, because Ohio what? State is a minus three seventy five and a nine and a half point favorite.
1: You know what? I'm down with that. Let's book that bet right now. Where is that game being played? That
0: is being played at Ohio State. Yeah, let's book it.
1: Let's book it. Let's go Ohio State, Notre Dame, Moneyline Parlay, Labor Day weekend without even looking at anything because there's more games. And I don't want to just lock this in like, you know, (laughs) officially and put me on the spot. But there's probably a lot of games out there that you're like, okay, wow, you know, this ACC team is only minus 390 versus this other, you know, you know, who knows? It could be Conference USA, but.
0: Oklahoma I think Mar- Tulane in the first week, so that might be one of them.
1: Well, that could be too big of a money line.
0: That 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 <laughs> could be too
1: much. That could be too rich for our blood. Um, I, I think you should feel good about Notre Dame and uh, Ohio State taking care of business on on Labor Day weekend, and I think that's going to present very close to even money value.
0: There you go. That's a great way to go about the quality over quantity in just a labyrinth of chaos in college football to kick off the season. So. Razor, I appreciate it. It's good to hear from you again, and welcome, welcome back to football season, I suppose.
1: Well, Kyle, it's always a pleasure. I'd love to join you again this fall. I am so excited for fantasy football week one of the NFL and college football week zero. Proceed with caution is my theme today when it comes to NC2A football, but have fun. Bet responsible. Let's get it done.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much.
1: You got it, man. Take care.
0: Take care. This is Kyle from the future, which technically I didn't need this segment, but it is kind of important to throw in here because just as we were wrapping up the podcast, we got some breaking news into the show that Sony Michelle, the Patriots running back, first round pick of 2018 who we've done a number of podcasts on in the past about how his value has been part of the has been a symptom of the larger problem for the new england patriots despite the fact that he had like five touchdowns during that super bowl run where they beat the los angeles rams in super bowl 53 just got traded to the los angeles rams for two conditional picks Finally putting to rest all the notions that everyone had been trying to convince me of for the last off season that Damian Harris was not the true number one for the New England Patriots. He very much was, and very much is, and now we have the proof to confirm it. So Sonny Michelle has been traded to the Rams, who obviously lost Cam Akers a while ago, and were in a situation where Daryl Henderson was almost done for the season last week, but he'll be reevaluated as they go on through the next couple weeks. They thought he had like a ligament injury, I believe it was. Um, but the Rams didn't want to wait for the running back position and this is a good time. The Patriots maybe wanted to keep someone. I know Rex Burkhead isn't there anymore, but that would kind of be the default name I think of that the Patriots are aggressively trying to protect. But they did trade Sony Michelle which he was kind of expendable at this point like I know he's a running back 2 or a running back 3 or wherever he fits into the Patriots scheme at this point but Sony Michel was a bit of a disposable piece and now he ends up going to the Rams where he'll fill in that depth that Sean McVay likes to play with or at least Sean McVay envisioned playing with uh, when he got rid of Todd Gurley last offseason, then they kind of did the committee thing and then Cam Akers just kind of became the definitive number one running back. And then Cam Akers was supposed to be the definitive number one back, but then he got hurt. And now Sean McVay is just saying, let's have talent. It's important to just have some kind of talented running back on the team. So I guess we'll find out how he wants to use Sony Michelle. It's kind of a backup running back trade, which isn't always the most exciting thing. But when you have big names and you have, well, at least recognizable names in a trade, it's always fun to talk about. We love the transaction here in sports. And Sony Michelle going to the Rams is an interesting little move. And also it's at the end of a podcast, so we can just fire it up here. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, take it easy and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.